‫לקוטי סיכס, חלק י"ז, ‫סיכס שבס הגודל. In his laws on Hilchas Pesach, the Altarebbe Neshulchan Aruch explains the reason that the Shabbos before Pesach is called Shabbos HaGodol, the Great Shabbos. And he says, the Shabbos that precedes Pesach is called Shabbos HaGodol, the Great Shabbos, because a great miracle occurred on that day. To explain, the lamb to be offered for the Paschal sacrifice in Egypt was set aside on the 10th of the month of Nisan. As it's written, on the 10th of this month, each of them shall take a lamb for a family. That day was Shabbos, for the Jews left Egypt on a Thursday. Since the 15th of Nisan was a Thursday, the 10th of Nisan was Shabbos, when the Jews took the lambs for their Paschal sacrifice on that Shabbos, the firstborn of the nations of the world gathered around the Jews and asked them, Why are you doing this? The Jews answered, It's a paschal sacrifice to God who will slay the firstborn of Egypt. The firstborn of each family then went to their parents and to Pharaoh to ask them to release the Jews, but they did not agree. The firstborn waged war against Pharaoh and his ministers and slew many of them. And this is alluded to by the verse to strike Egypt with their firstborn. The rabbis, the Altarebbe continues, established the commemoration of this miracle for the future generations on the Shabbos preceding Pesach and called it Shabbos Hagadol, the Great Shabbos. And here the Altarebbe's explanation ends. What we want, however, to understand after learning this is why the Alter Rebbe emphasizes that the miracle was a great miracle, suggesting that only because it was a great miracle, this is why we refer to this Shabbos as a great Shabbos, Shabbos HaGodol. It would seem that even if it was just a miracle, not a great miracle, it would have been reason enough to highlight this Shabbos with a moniker, the Great Shabbos. It is, after all, more unique and greater than every other Shabbos of the year. Also, what makes this miracle so great that it's called a great miracle? It doesn't seem to be that recognizably greater or more wondrous than other miracles, certainly not in the long view of it. Jews were still in Egypt after the great miracle took place, and many Egyptians were killed by the firstborn who went to war with them, And the miracle of the death of the firstborn still had to take place for redemption to become a reality. So what was the great result here that we reference the event as a great miracle? Here's another question. The miracle was celebrated not on the actual day of the month of its occurrence, like when we celebrate leaving Egypt on the 15th of the month of Nisan. Rather, it's commemorated by the day of the week, the day of Shabbos. Why is that? The Altareb, in fact, addresses this question and tells us that as Miriam subsequently passed on the 10th of Nisan, the day that we took the Paschal Lamb, this day wasn't established as a day of celebration, but was established as a day of fasting for her passing. So we don't commemorate this on the 10th of the month, but rather on Shabbos Hagodol. 
But the specificity of Torah is well known to us. And so aside for the why not, because it's the day of Miriam's passing, we also want to understand why it was established to commemorate for all time this Shabbos as Shabbos Hagadol, the great Shabbos. Because this tells us that something here connects specifically to Shabbos itself. This was clearly intended to be on Shabbos, as God commanded, on the 10th of this month, each of them shall take a lamb for a family. The 10th was Shabbos. Despite this being an issue of acquisition and commerce on Shabbos, because if one's neighbor didn't have a lamb, they were then to purchase one on that day in the market, which would then mean carrying on Shabbos from one domain to another, checking the lamb for blemishes, all things contradictory to the laws of rest of Shabbos. True, they had not yet been commanded as to how to keep Shabbos, but our forefathers kept Shabbos before the Torah was given, and so did some of their descendants. But in addition to this, Moshe convinced Paray during our long servitude in Egypt to allow the days of Shabbos to be a day of rest when the nation desisted from work. Yet, this very day of Shabbos, God establishes for taking the Paschal Lamb, which tells us that this mitzvah to take the Paschal Lamb is inherently connected to Shabbos. The explanation for this will be understood after a clarification regarding the general concept of Shabbos. Tzemach Tzedek explains the verse in chapter 92 in Psalms, Mizmar Shir Liyom HaShabbos, Let us sing a song to the day of Shabbos, sung by the Levim in the temple, according to the Midrashic interpretation in Yalkut Shemoni. The Yalkut explains this verse to mean that the day of Shabbos is a time when the mazikim, the negative energies of the world, must desist from causing damage. God prohibits the mazikim from causing harm on Shabbos. There are two ways in which the mazikim can be neutralized on Shabbos. They can either be completely removed from the world, or they are present, but the day forces them to desist from their negative, harmful ways. This latter way, says the Baal Shem Tev, is the better of the two, because the negative is then transformed into positive energy, and darkness is thereby transformed to light. The bad becomes transformed to good. The ultimate experience of evil having no sway and causing no damage will be experienced when Mashiach comes. But the first Shabbos of creation, Shabbos Bracious, had this very quality. When the sun shone that first Shabbos, essentially banishing the quality of physical darkness for 36 hours after creation. The reason that Shabbos contains this transformational quality is because Shabbos is essentially transformed time. Our sages state that the world was lacking respite. It was lacking shvisa. And with the creation of Shabbos came rest. Yet the Maggid of Mezrich teaches that time is a created entity. Just like the rest of creation, it's a yesh in creation. Prior to creation, there was no quality of time, no limitations of time, and no creatures bound by time. A way for us to understand this boundlessness would be by realizing that a conceptual idea is not limited and has no relationship to the limitations of time. But time, just like the creative life forces, of inanimate, animate, plant, and human life is a six days of creation new feature. 
Just like the first moment of time is a newly created entity, so it is regarding all the moments to follow of all six days of creation. Every day brought new and different creations, and each day of time, too, had its unique time experience. The moments created and making up day one were not the moments created and comprising day two. Each day had its unique energy and service. Whereas the days after the conclusion of the first week were a repeat of week one, and so all first days of the week, all Sundays, are all the repeat of the created entity of the first day of creation. And so to all Mondays, they are all henceforth renewed, but not new. So why do we say Shabbos comes and rest comes? It's not like on the seventh day that rest was created. The seventh day time experience was created and was missing until that seventh day. But this must then mean that the seventh day has an inherent quality of menucha, of rest, that the seventh day is rest. Time is a dynamic and complex construct of past, present, and future. Shabbos alone transcends these fluctuations, which means that Shabbos came and rest came suggests that this construct of time, which is the seventh day, contains and is unique in that it is a day that can be elevated and transformed beyond its limitations of a complex dynamic construct to an experience of rest and tranquility. And because the time of Shabbos is transformative, it affects all worldly issues, allowing night to light up like day. Experiencing a time construct in a completely transcendent way. An example in Jewish law for this idea of past, present, and future, in conjunction with a transcendence beyond the time construct would be time-specific situations which simultaneously may shift due to the nature of a moment. The Ragachavar determines that a boy who becomes a man during Shabbos is obligated by the Torah to keep all the laws of Shabbos because Shabbos is a composite of individual moments. Yet, if this is the case during Yom Kippur, if a boy becomes a man on Yom Kippur, he's not obligated to do so because the day of Yom Kippur is a single mitzvah. Similarly, regarding Sfiris HaOmer, the daily counting of the Omer during the Sphira period, which appears to be a composite of days, yet having missed the fulfillment of the mitzvah of one day, one loss of making the blessing, one has lost the opportunity to continue counting the Omer with a blessing for the duration of the time of this mitzvah. And this is according to several opinions. An ongoing event, like leaving Egypt, continues for some time, and there are changes happening during this ongoing event. There is the pre-midnight leaving Egypt, the post-midnight experience, the 15th of Nisan experience, all with relevant mitzvahs and instructions attached to them, as indeed we see in the varying expressions in the Gemara about leaving Egypt. Expressions that say, Nigalu be'erev, they were redeemed at night. Yatsu bayom, they left during the day. Or the haste of Egypt, the haste of leaving but of Israel. But simultaneously, the essence of leaving Egypt is drawn through the generations. 
impacting each generation in turn, where everyone is obliged to see leaving Egypt as a personal journey of redemption. And if God had not redeemed us, we, our children, and our children's children, would still be enslaved to a pharaoh in Egypt. Accordingly, we can understand the Altareba's emphasis of a great miracle. It's this very expression that connects the idea of Shabbos HaGodol, of the great Shabbos and the miracle to Shabbos. It has been explained at length that the vastness of the miracle of Shabbos HaGadol was in the murder of Egyptians through their own firstborn. The idea of firstborn points to a point of strength. And so in Egypt, a place of intense impurity, the firstborns would be the zenith of klipa, of impurity. When the nation of Israel is yet in the Egyptian exile, the exile is in its full power, and Pharaoh and the Egyptians refuse with all their might to allow the nation to leave Egypt, it's at this juncture in time that the Bechirim, the firstborns, demand the release of the nation of Israel. And when this doesn't happen, they go to war with fellow Egyptians, and kill many of them. This then was a great miracle, unlike other miracles. Other miracles that have happened for our nation are experienced in a vanquishing of klipa, of evil. But here, the impurity of evil itself, in its fullest state of strength, goes to war for holiness, a transformation of darkness to light. And therefore God commanded that the mitzvah of taking a lamb per household, which resulted in the war the firstborns waged against their own, should be performed specifically on Shabbos, because Shabbos is of the very nature as this miracle, where darkness is essentially transformation to light. Accordingly, we can understand why, from among the many reasons given for why this Shabbos is called Shabbos HaGadol, the Great Shabbos, the Alter Rebbe chooses this reason, the reason of the firstborns going to war against Pharaoh and his ministers, and he mentions no other reasons, because this reason alone helps us understand why this Shabbos is a Shabbos HaGadol. This interpretation speaks to the idea that in the framework of Shabbos itself, transforming the darkness into light, this is a very great Shabbos. Not only is darkness transformed, but the darkness becomes an aid to light. The klipa helps the holiness to shine. This type of great miracle was unlike the miracles that took place during each of the plagues and unlike even the last plague of the death of the firstborn. Their klipa was nullified and impurities were vanquished. But in this miracle, the impurity of Egypt fought a battle with its own for the benefit of the Jew. Thus, we can explain at a deeper level yet another point the Alter Rebbe makes in the Shulchan Aruch, a point that leaves us with some questions that we now have clarity to address. At the beginning of this chapter, when he says, and that day was Shabbos, he adds, for on the fifth day of the week they left Egypt, as it's written in the Talmud. And the Alter Rebbe quotes the source, then continues saying, and so, as the 15th was on Thursday, the 10th was on Shabbos. The date we left Egypt is explained in the Talmud, and the calculation of exact chronological order of dates is further developed in the Teisvis. Why, though, does the Alter Rebbe quote this in the Code of Jewish Law? While indeed the Alter Rebbe does explain Torah law and its reason, this, however, is no reason, and the Alter Rebbe does not commonly quote source and chapter for the laws he teaches. The Alter Rebbe could have sufficed with, 
and that day was Shabbos. So with what we now understand, it's clear that this information that seems superfluous, the Alter Rebbe quotes this to help us understand the point of Shabbos HaGadol of great, the Great Shabbos. Because there are two possible perspectives on the instruction of each household to take a lamb on the 10th of the month, which was the forerunner to the civil war between the firstborns and Pare's ministers. Either taking the lamb on the 10th of the month and the subsequent miracles of Shabbos HaGadol, the great Shabbos, were not only to prepare the nation for bringing the Paschal offering on Shabbos and for the redemption from Egypt, but it also had a particular and unique purpose, or the entire purpose of taking the lamb on the 10th of Nisan was only as a preparation and even a beginning to the Paschal sacrifice and redemption from Egypt. These two perspectives can also be perceived in the spiritual aspect of this event. Either the revelations and the miracles of Shabbos HaGadol were only a preparation for God's personal revelation to them, leading to leaving Egypt, or something else was happening here that wasn't only about leaving Egypt. And therefore, when the Altareb explains Shabbos HaGadol, he elaborates and adds an explanation saying that the idea of taking the lamb on the 10th of this month and the miracles that happened around this all were conditional upon and calculated so that leaving Egypt took place on Thursday before Shabbos, which was the point of their leaving Egypt. According to what we discussed earlier, that this miracle of Shabbos HaGadol is a transformation from darkness to light, we can better understand this edition of the Alter Rebbe about the fifth before Shabbos, Thursday before Shabbos. Shabbos is a time when the sphere of Malchus, sovereignty, shines. Hence, Shabbos is called the Shabbos Queen. The sphere of Malchus, sovereignty, rises on Shabbos to a loftier experience of Zah, to the emotive sphere, and to Bina, the sphere of Bina. Yet Malchus is inherently a consuming fire, and as such nullifies that which opposes Malchus' energy. So though Shabbos is a time of rest from negative energy, its truest revelation thereof will only manifest in the final redemption, when Shabbos will be eternal. And until then, Shabbos only transforms Klippas Neiga. So clearly, when we were still in the impurity of Egypt, before we were even commanded to keep Shabbos, the Shabbos radiance was yet unrevealed, and therefore the Alter Rebbe explains that the miracle of Shabbos HaGadol is connected to the revelation after leaving Egypt, when the sphere of Bina of strength manifested in the energy of freedom, transforming the negative energy of the Bechiris of the firstborn, bringing them to battle their own and assist the nation of Israel, an experience of Gevurais, strength, severities, becoming sweetened at their source. And this is no small transformation, but a Shabbos Hagadol, a great Shabbos, a great miracle. The well-known teaching of the Arizal on the words of the Megillah that these days are commemorated and performed is that when one properly remembers and recalls playing homage to a miracle, it empowers performance. We now are still under the reign of foreign kings, as we were under Ahasuerus, and we are as then in a dense and intense darkness. But every Jew can even now draw forth draw forth the animal from the physical domain to attach to the spiritual, moving oneself away from all that is foreign to him as a Jew 
and connecting himself to mitzvahs, performing his personal service with zeal and devotion and influencing another from within his own household even to do the same. In this way, one's success in influencing the outside world and the nations of the world until they're firstborn, they're important folk, want to help the Jewish nation. And it will be as it was when we left Egypt, a great miracle yet in exile. As we can prepare ourselves and we can prepare ourselves to see great wonders with our youth, with our elders, our sons and our daughters, leaving no Jew behind in the redemption from exile to the true and complete Geula through our righteous Redeemer, Mashiach.